0: Ayer's on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And hi, we are back, and I have been on the road, blazing to get to this radio show. Honestly, road closures is a convention downtown Salt Lake City. Well, it's absolutely crazy. I'm still kind of um,
1: breathing heavy. Puffing and puffing, and i I'm kind of huffing and puffing because I couldn't see you, and I was getting close to time for the show, and I love you and I miss you, and you didn't have your phone because you left it there. So I'm just glad we're together, and it makes it especially appropriate for our topic today. We thought we would do Ayers on the Road on the theme, The Best Thing You Can Do for Your Kids... And I wonder if any of you have ever heard that phrase. I wonder if you can complete it. If, if you're a man, it would go like this. The best thing you can do for your kids is to love their mother. And if you're a woman, it would go like this. The best thing you can do for your kids is to love their father. And we really believe that. Now, we're aware that a lot of parents are single parents, and we admire and revere Most of the single parents we know because of how amazing they do the job of both parents. But that doesn't mean we can't occasionally have a show where we talk about the marriage relationship and about the relationship of that relationship to the parenting process. Because in our 30 or 40 years of traveling around the world, speaking with and to parents, if there's one thing that's for sure... It is that when people are lucky enough to be two-parent families and when they really work together as a team, really a team, I mean, where they really share the load of raising their children, those are the luckiest kids in the world.
0: They really are. And, you know, it doesn't have to be every day together doing everything together because that's not possible in our world today. Um, In fact, we have a daughter who's driving across the country on her own for the second time. She drove out for our family reunion from Boston. And uh, her husband joined her in Salt Lake City, and they drove on to California for his um, reunion. And then she came back for our reunion, and now she is on her way back to the country with those four kids on her own. Her husband has a very demanding job that includes a lot of travel. So he's on the road in his own right. But she said, you know, I'm just not going to sit home forever
1: and wait for him to
0: be able to have time to do this with me. And we're going
1: to have an adventure. So Where is she today? I think she's in the Black Hills of North Dakota. Actually.
0: No, I think she left that and went to South Dakota. And they stayed on the little farm where Little House <laughs> on the Prairie was filmed all those years ago. and those Wilder. I mean, yeah. Was her
1: actual property well, where she lived, right?
0: Right. Well... Yes, I guess, that is where they filmed the series that went with the books, and she's read all those books with her kids, and honestly, she described the most horrendous experience. They, they have these little covered wagons that um, sit out in the middle of the prairie, on a little, I guess it's near a farm and so on, but you can rent the wagons, but the last one was only built for three, and there were five of them. So she said, I had feet in my face all night and felt like I was in a washing machine, not only because of the kids, but because it started raining and storming and thundering and lightning and I thought we were going to tip over with the wind and it was crazy. And she said, it is the most exciting thing I've ever done in my life. I love it. It was so real. It was so, yeah, this is just like I used to be with these people. And so um, she's having a great time.
1: And so our kids have all left our reunion. Sadie is on this trek across the country. Shawnee is just putting her oldest daughter on a plane to go to BYU-Hawaii to start school today. And Sarah, our oldest, is um, on her way on a tour of 12 national parks, the original 12 national parks, for her family vacation post-reunion.
0: And let me just say that Boy, that does a lot for a marriage, one way or the other. They've been in the car. They'll be in the car together or camping for a month with a lot of friends in their neighborhood. They're totally crazy, but, man. That's a major break for the marriage. They're going to know each other really well by the time they get home. Not that they haven't. They've been married for a lot of years, but it really is interesting, the dynamics between parents according to what you're doing. Sadie's on her own. Sarah
1: ends with that husband 24-7. So just carrying on, because a lot of you know our kids and ask about them when we see you. Jonah and his wife, Asia, have headed back to their home on Maui in Hawaii, and they're safely there, and their kids have started school. Talmadge and Anita are back in Zurich, Switzerland, where they live, and and Noah and Christy are back in Orange County at their home, Eli and Julie are back in New York City, and Charity just had her first baby, our 28th grandchild, is back in Mm -hmm. London, but her husband, Ian, is here for his sister's wedding, and we're going to see him today and spend a little time with him. We went to the wedding reception last night, so the bottom line, we're kind of beating around the bush getting to our title, but the reunion's over. The kids are back at their homes. We're back on our own, which we kind of like in a way. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, maybe that's a good segue into what we want to talk about, Linda. Um, what you have to remember is the kids will eventually go and you'll be back to the old days, just the two of you. Exactly. Although there's a lot of adventure. In between
0: <clears throat> and May I just remind you that I'm on topic. You're the one that just keeps going off. I know,
1: I know, I know. But I, I want to introduce the topic now. So here we go. Why is that a truism? And do you believe it is? its best thing you can do for your kids if your dad is to love their mother. Well, I mean, there's the obvious answer, which is kids get a tremendous amount of security when they sense the love between their parents. And and they get the opposite. I mean, there have been some interesting surveys done that the typical response or reaction or mental reaction of a child, a small child, when he sees his parents fighting is, all my parents are going to get divorced. That's what jumps into their heads. And nothing is less nourishing to a child's support than to see parents quarreling and fighting. Now, does that mean that you should never fight? Does that mean that your children should never see you fight? Well, let me tell you another quick story. We had a, a little gal come up to us after a speech not long ago, and she was just sobbing, and she said, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I've only been married for six months. And my husband and I had our first fight last night. What are we going to do? And I looked at her and I said, wait, 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 hold it. You've been married for six months and that was the first fight you've had? And she said, well, yes, but my parents never fought. And I said without thinking, oh, yes, they did. It's just that they hid it from you. And I'm not sure you should hide Disagreements from your children, but if they do see a disagreement, boy, they better see a reconciliation.
0: Oh boy, I do think you need to hide it. <laughs> when you're really angry with each other until you kind of work it out. I mean, you, you know what I mean, no. to I mean? Children yelling
1: you no, you know. don't want to see them see fighting. fighting, but you also don't want them to think falsely that you always agree on every single thing. In other words, it's okay to know that you disagree. And even that you've had words once in a while, but please let them see that reconciliation. Make a big deal of the making up afterwards. Right,
0: because kids are so sensitive, and um, there is a lot of divorce going along, and there's a lot of angst involved in marriage. Um, it really is so hard. In fact, I was just disgruntled today, I have to say. Richard always gets his own way. No, and no,
1: you always get your own way things you just have a subtle way of doing
0: it yeah right well it is more subtle like this is what I want to do let's do this and um, wait this is what
1: I want to do which is what
0: happened this morning he went off and bought vegetables at the farmer's market I went up and got the truck to get something we need at Bear Lake <laughs> so um, it really is interesting um, this dynamic of marriage is incredible but boy what do your kids see think about it what are your kids seeing as far as your relationship with your spouse do they know you love each other Or are you always kind of disgruntled and and disagreeing with what's going on?
1: And you may think you're hiding. it. that's another thing. People who think they're hiding disagreements probably are wrong. Kids are pretty perceptive. And they can read little nuances. They can read that lowering of your eyebrow or your spouse or that little look of spite that occasionally might cross your face. And so there's no point in taking it. I mean, that's why the the show today, although you might not realize it at this point in the show, the show is not about how to hide your disagreements or how to cover them up or how to not let your kids be affected by them. The theme of the show is how to improve your relationship, how to work on it to the point where there are no bad signs to be seen. There are disagreements, people are different, but kids really feel in their heart how much their parents love each other. And that's possible. I really think that's possible. And, the, and kind of the heartening thing is, when you're working on your marriage, when you're working on your relationship with your spouse, guess what? You are doing the very best thing you could possibly ever do for your children. So it's a kind of a it's kind of a buy one get one free it's a it's a two for one sale
0: you know i I'm thinking about our own children who are married, and um, eight of our nine are married now, and uh thinking about their relationships and I think particularly one of our daughters decided somewhere early on that she was gonna really show <coughs> her a love for her husband in front of her children and express it and she has a big block, some of you may. Uh, know Shawnee through her blog, 71toes.com. Um, but she so often expresses on that blog how much she loves and appreciates her husband. And I think we just don't do that often enough. We, we kind of take them for granted. Um, they do things for us and we sometimes forget to say thank you. It really is a conscious effort.
1: And Shawnee, I think, does that for the specific reason. I mean, she's genuine. She does love Dave a lot. But I I think she's public about it, largely for her kids. I don't think she's blogging on her on her blog, bragging on her blog, blogging on her brag. <laughs> I don't think she's doing it to, to brag. I think she's doing it because she wants her kids to see that she's public with her love for her husband. So that's a really great thing to do. And again, it's not about the uh, it's not about the. Uh, Impression or the appearance, it's about the substance. So we've got about one minute before we go to a break, and then when we come back, we are really going to get into some sort of straightforward, rapid fire ideas about improving your relationship with the most important person in the world, namely your spouse. And we'll, we'll occasionally refer back to the theme of this first part of the show that that is tantamount to good parenting because one leads to the other.
0: So join us for the second half because we're going to give you some ideas that we have just learned recently as well as some old hat um, ideas that have really helped our relationship. So
1: and, and we hope they'll help yours. So take a little break with us and we'll be right back. Tires on the Road.
0: And we're back. We're talking today about the fact that the most important thing you can do for your kids is to love your spouse. And uh, maybe it's something you haven't thought about for a
1: little bit. I think about it once in a while. (laughs) Well, you have to being married to me, right? But uh, again, we want to acknowledge there's a lot of great single parents in the world. But if you are married and you are a parent, think a little more about the linkage between those two things, because... There really is one, believe me, and uh, the place to start, we think, with improving your marriage is actually a a parenting technique, again, showing how these two things link in with each other. Some of you have heard us talk about this before. We think one of the best things you can do as a parent is to go out with your spouse once a month and have a five-facet review where you review each of your kids, how's Billy doing physically, how's he doing mentally, how's he doing socially, how's he doing emotionally, how's he doing spiritually, discussing that, brainstorming it, trying to look for potential problems to nip in the butt, trying to look for potential. That's a great parenting technique, especially if you take a notebook along and keep track, and then the next month you go over what you've covered. But think about it in light of the theme of this show, as a marriage improving technique. You know what experts tell us? The way to draw close to a person is to be intimately involved with them on a cause in which you both believe. So think about that, cause you both believe your biggest priority is your children and where you're working hard, brainstorming, thinking, strategizing, figuring things out. What could be better for your relationship as parents than to have that kind of regular meeting where you're working on your parenting.
0: Well, you know, when we used to do this when we were young parents, and I have to say that we, we still do it once in a
1: while. When we're on a long car
0: trip, we say, hey, let's have a 5 passer review of our kids.
1: And um, We don't do it with the grandkids because we don't ever take trips that are quite that long. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's so fun to still think about your kids as adult children and how, how they're doing and what we can kind of maybe do together to help them or give them a little bit of um, assistance, not really advice, but just to be able to help a little bit on things that they may be really needy on. But to do this with your own kids is so fun, and I think I it, it really did improve our marriage. I, you know, Richard and I think all husbands are problem solvers. If you've got a problem, often the husband's not around to talk, talk to him about it. You can worry and worry about it when we went away and had these sessions we went to a restaurant you might think that we had to go someplace with 25 horses with nine kids and five facets for each one but no i mean usually it was like oh, they're fine 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 but then oops let's stop right here this child needs some help on this what can we do together i am so worried about this child and then if you talk about it together the husbands are so amazing at coming up with solutions that you haven't
1: thought of because you're right in the middle of the mess So there's a starter. Now here's another one. Um, We suggest that a parent uh, or a spouse, in this case we're talking spouses, that each spouse, the husband and the wife, individually, without the other one being around, sit down and make a couple of little lists. If I'm doing it for my wife, for example, the first list is, what is Linda or Linda is dot, 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 and try to write a loving description of your spouse. Try to list the things that you love about your spouse. Who she is. What makes her special. What, what, are, the, what are her love languages? What are the things you know about your spouse? And don't share this. We're, we're, we're saying this should be done unilaterally. You keep this so that you can work on those things. This is not, look, here's what I'm going to do for you. What are you going to do for me? This is your list. Of who she is. And the second part of that exercise, the thing that goes right with it, is what does Linda need? So you've got a couple of little things you're working on, and these can be progressive. You don't have to finish them all the first time you sit down. But part A, Linda is dot, 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 a little list of the things that you've discovered about her that make her unique, that you love, and so on. And part B, Linda needs the things you have discovered that she responds to, that she feels fulfilled by, that you can do for her happiness. And once you finish that little list and you refer to it once in a while, it'll cause you to be more of the kind of spouse that you want to be and that will improve your relationship. I'm smiling while you're talking, honey, because I remember that...
0: one of the specific times when you did that, and I discovered what you thought I needed was a poem every day.
1: Yeah, but that was early on, honey. Really. I was no, getting no, serious. So that early. was early on. Now I've refined that list, and, and you don't even know what's on it because it's my honest, true sense of what you need most. And I've, I've observed it's the things that make you happiest. Well,
0: have you observed the things that make me happiest?
1: Is for you to do the day? Absolutely, that's mm-hmm. one of the things. I, that's all I'm telling you. Though I'm not telling you the other things on the list. And you've done the same for me. And I, I don't want to see your list, but I, <laughs> I see it manifest in some things that you do for me. So, but it's it's an exercise in completely focusing your attention on the other person and not on yourself. So often what we're doing in our own minds is we're making a list subconsciously of what I wish she would do for me or what I am that she doesn't quite understand, you know, and if we could just turn that completely around and say, these are the things I love about her and these are the things that I'm going to do for her. Now you're thinking in an extra-centered way.
0: Well, and also I think we often think about what would we want to change about our spouse? I mean, you know, in order to make it just perfect, you want to change something. And when we got married, I just thought, wow, I there's a few things that really bother me about what Richard's doing, but you know what? I can change that in a hurry. I can fix that. And um, it's pretty amusing when I think of how funny it is that, um, Richard's still exactly the same as he was when I got married. No, I shouldn't say that because we have both become more like each other. I think in 47 years, um, we have um, learned how to realize that some of the things that bother us most are also some of the things that we like the most in the end. And um, it really
1: is interesting
0: to to think, you know, change may not happen.
1: But making those making those lips. There are really lists about what you're going to change about yourself. I mean, it is ironic that some approach marriage by saying, I, I really want a good marriage, so what can I change about my spouse? Instead of, you know, I mean, that better better said, more ironically said, I want to be a better spouse, so what can I change about her? Instead of what can you change about yourself? So well, that's a that's a challenge to you. Make a list who she is, and what she needs.
0: I'm surprised you're not saying what you always say when I say, wait a minute, you, you don't want me to change this? You don't want me, really? And
1: I know you're fishing for this. So, so I really have decided that there's nothing I'd change about. Well, that, that sounds really weird, but I wouldn't because she's a complex organism. And if you change one little thing about a complex organism. There may be a chain reaction that may change some of the things you love the most, but try that as, as an exercise. Um, also, I think we've realized that um, there are methods to
0: resolve disagreements that we um, yeah, probably. I just let me preface this by saying you probably never talked to anybody or heard from anybody that uh, disagrees more on everything that we do. Which we think it makes us stronger. And uh, it does make us stronger because we have to stand up for what we believe in and really go for it. But we we argue a lot less than these, used to. Have you notice that, Linda?
1: Well, it's because we're getting a little more mellow, and we've learned. Techniques. Yeah, we don't want to dwell on this because we've said it before on the show. But we used to think you had to resolve everything before you went to bed every night. We were never getting any sleep. We think you ought to resolve things at a minimum by Sunday, though. We think we we say never let the sun set on the end of a week or you haven't aired the things that were on your mind or that bothered you.
0: I think the thing that's helped us more than anything is. A little concept that we read in a book by Bruce Feiler, who we really admire. He's um, he's terrific. And he says, you know, when you get in the depths of an argument, go to the balcony, which means leave. Go, go out, change clothes, leave each other's presence, and then just try to think about it as if you were standing on a balcony watching a movie and trying to figure out what was going on with that relationship. Why is he thinking the way he is? Why is he... Why is he so stubborn? Why can't he think like you do? And then kind of mull that through and, and really try to think about it from their viewpoint. And it really does make a difference. Now, Take
1: a break. Now, it's important Dad. we're not talking about just, just bail on the argument. We're not talking about just agree to disagree or just, just leave it, leave it, but temporarily leave. And come back together and resolve. Right, yeah,
0: then you join again, and it's just a whole different deal, even if it's an hour or two.
1: But the Um, idea of, uh, you know, some things are better left unsaid forever, that works in almost every relationship in the world, but not in marriage. We think a better saying is unexpressed feelings never die. Let's, Let's modify this. Say in a marriage, unexpressed feelings never die. They just get buried. And come forth later in uglier forms. So you need to have a clearinghouse. And for us, Sunday is the best one. And we do a little testimony meeting with each other in which we, among other things, get to anything that's bothering us and that's unresolved. And in that good spiritual spirit, we try to resolve it. And we recommend that method to you.
0: Now we know that there are a lot of you that are in situations that none of this applies, <laughs> and it's just you're in a difficult situation with a marriage. And, and
1: you know we start have with to baby come, steps.
0: Yeah, we we'll start with baby steps, but we also have to come back to the just the original premise of the show, and that is, we really need to show our love for our spouse when we're around our children, and uh, if that's hard to conjure up, give it a second thought because it makes. It, so it is so crucial,
1: so important for your kids
0: and how they treat their spouses when they're married.
1: That's exactly right, and and the name of this, uh, the name of our show is Parenting in a Modern World, and boy, in this modern world, that is such a crucial thing that kids really see that love coming through. Now, I want to end with this thought. You know, there are three kinds of marriages in broad brush terms. We've we've sort of tended to categorize marriages we've seen and known. the lowest level frankly is a a marriage of convenience you know it's better to be married than not and we tolerate each other and we, uh, we we help each other occasionally and we sort of agree to disagree and we just roll along the second level is what we call a true partnership where there really is a lot of planning a lot of working together a lot of mutual respect and it really works. You begin to get some synergy within that kind of a marriage. But the ultimate marriage, the third level, that we're all, that we personally are working toward, but, but it's a long haul. and We certainly wouldn't suggest we're there yet. We call oneness, where you you finally come to know each other and respect each other so much, you don't become clones of each other. You still are two separate entities. But you've decided to overlap completely. You've decided not to have any secrets. You've decided to be 100% oneness in your views, in your outlooks. And and when you can't do that, you work on it until they're resolved. And that's the ultimate goal. The point being, like skiing and certain other things, you never get as good as you can be. You can always improve.
0: It's so true. And, boy, you know, when we're disagreeing on something, there's an argument and so on. Um, it really is disconcerting and you really need to work through it and work it out. So we we wish you the very best as you go forward and um, teach those children that you really love each other and those grandchildren. That's important to know you. Grandkids love each other. too.
1: And you know, Grammy and grandfather love each other. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being with us on Irs on the Road. Bye bye.